you when you need to know what's happening, it's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Brian Baldinger. We are back for another edition of In the Huddle. My man Brian Baldinger, Baldy, and I'm Carl Dukes. Put him up. Of course, Jason Lockon for a part of this podcast as well. As a matter of fact, Baldy and Jason are going to be doing some more draft stuff as we move forward yeah. here in the next couple of weeks. But guys, the big news, at least right now, and it's just kind of sitting there as we start today, is the Commanders potentially being sold for $6 billion. Um, it, it's quite interesting, Baldy, to say when you think about Daniel Snyder and he bought the team for $800 million, okay, in 1999, which was crazy back then, and now he's about to, to cash in. A quick reminder, guys, the Broncos, great franchise, mm-hmm. obviously. $4.6 billion they sold for last offseason. And now the commanders could go for $6 billion, Baldy? It's crazy. <clears throat> it is. And it just shows you just the, the power of the NFL. Um, you know, look, I, I played for the Cowboys in the 80s. Washington was our, our rival. Um, those games were unbelievable. Um you know, and, and, and Washington was one of those franchises with, you know, San Francisco, Dallas, that ruled the 80s, you know, and they, they and Daniel Snyder bought the team in 1994, I believe, and he kind of piggybacked off what Joe Gibbs built. And it has been on a slippery slope for the most part since. I think Ron Rivera's doing a pretty good job of just putting a fresh face on it, cleaning things up on the outside. But I'm not here to talk about Daniel Snyder. I'm just talking like this, this value of a team it's it's unbelievable business, Carl, and it's it's not going to go down in value. It's only going up. The Chicago Bears are trying to build a stadium out at Arlington Park. I can't even imagine if the Bears decide to sell once that deal gets approved, uh, what that value would be worth. Much less what the Dallas Cowboys are at right now, or you know some of the other elite franchises, San Francisco, uh, these elite franchises in the NFL. It's 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 an amazing business. The thing about these stadiums, uh, and if you're not aware of this, because I think most people just relate football to the stadiums. So these new stadium deals, okay, this is across the board. Yeah. Is allowing, and when the commanders get theirs, this is what this new owner, you know, if Josh Harris gets this team, the, the owner of the 76ers and, and the uh, De- yeah. uh, Devils, if he gets this team, they're going to get a new stadium as well. But across the board, what happens is, guys, you get obviously concerts, events. So they just they package this as events, all right. And let's just imagine outside of the football world, because you only get X amount of home games. Mm-hmm. But these these owners make a lot of money <laughs> when you start talking about a hundred events or 150 events in their stadiums. And you know, we're talking from conventions to private industry coming in and renting it out to concerts. Well, Carl, like that, you know, our NFL network is right at SoFi Stadium. Yes. So, you know, you look at what they have done at SoFi and the gentrification of the neighborhood and the hotels and the Hollywood Park Casino. I mean, it is many cities that they're building around these stadiums. You know, what's what, you know, uh, they did up at uh, Foxborough. I mean, they build the shopping malls, the hotels, you know, the entertainment. It becomes a focal point of all of entertainment and they're taking a piece of all this stuff from these, just these growing centers that this, that the stadium is, is really the centerpiece of. 
Yeah, Baldy, I just to my to your point about it's not it's not going to slow down and um uh, the stadiums are going to get more elaborate and the 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 numbers of the uh the, the sales of these teams is going to continue to go up. I will say this as we're talking about the commanders. It's in the huddle, guys. Subscribe. We put new episodes out Tuesday, Thursday. Make sure you like us so you, you don't miss any episodes. Uh, I've talked a lot about this on my shows, Baldy. And, and listen, I'll just say Daniel Snyder's still under investigation from the NFL. Yeah. Uh, for allegations of financial, you know, improprieties. Yeah. He's uh, in, under investigation and allegations is from the FBI and the IRS. He's had multiple women, you know, talk about harassment suits. Here's what I'm getting to. And we could dive into the Daniel Snyder. Has he been a good owner? Has he not? And most people think he hasn't. But other NFL owners have had enough. And so now you find yourself in a situation where Daniel Snyder is getting out. He's going to make a lot of money, but the other owners are ready. And this is more about them kind of forcing his hand, you know, and nobody wants to be forced out. So they're still letting this process play out. But at the end of the day, Baldy, I think most of these other guys, these other owners that we talk about are happy that this is happening. Well, I think, look, it, it's, uh, you know, it's a club of, right. you know, basically 31 owners. Of course, the Packers are, you know, owned by a public. But um, so the 31 owners are sitting there and image is important. Reputation, uh, you know, they want to make this thing as clean and pressure washed as possible. Uh, because that's good for advertising. It's good for fans. It's good for growth. And so if you're one of your owners is on the front pages of newspapers uh, because of some of the things that you just described, uh, it doesn't it doesn't it takes some of the tarnish um, and it tarnishes the image that they love to project with the shield. And the shield is everything. Mm-hmm. And um, in this day and age of, you know, everything from me to you name it. Um, you got to hold, you got to hold your end up and it's just, uh, it's just the way you conduct business as an employee of the NFL. I'm expected to, to, to do the same thing, Carl. I, I can't play by different set of rules that guys at other networks can. I work for the NFL. I get my checks from the NFL. So there is a, a standard of conduct that mm. has to be met. You know, uh, you don't want that phone call from HR. You know, you just don't want that. <laughs> it's a great point. Uh, by the way, the league uh, owners or the meetings are scheduled for, I think the spring league meeting is in Minneapolis. Uh, for the sale of any team, that includes the commanders, they're going to need at least 24 of the league's 32 owners to approve it. So even though this guy has all the money, they're still going to have to approve it. And more likely they will, guys, because I think, as we talked about, I think the owners are ready to move. Let's talk about some player news. I want to get your thoughts on Jeff Okuda. He gets traded to the Falcons. Falcons pick up a little bit of the salary, but so does the, the so do the Lions. Uh, and a lot of people say, "Well, the Lions are ready to move on, and this is a fresh start for Jeff Okuda." Baldy, he was a first round talent. I mean, the third overall pick, but things just didn't work out in Detroit. And I think he's coming off that Achilles. I talked to his agent the other day. He was reassuring me that he's healthy and he's ready to compete. What do you think? Well, I mean, Achilles is tough at that position. You know, a lot of you know, I mean, that's a position now where the Achilles can really affect future performance, uh, just from the standpoint of just suddenness, quickness, twitchiness, just ability to explode coming out of your back pedal. We got to see if that holds up. I've seen guys like Sidney Jones, who was a first-round talent towards Achilles in a pro day, and, uh, you know, it was never the same, not in the league anymore. Second-round pick, stock dropped because of the Achilles, never became the player that it was projected to be. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying or wishing that or anything like that for Jeff. But it's clear – when Detroit went to free agency and they signed Cam Sutton from Pittsburgh, 
mm-hmm. Emmanuel Mosley from San Francisco, and said, "We're gonna we'll line up with these corners." And by the way, the draft is chock full of good corners at the top of this draft. Uh, we're gonna see that, uh, you know, in two weeks, Carl, when we do a post, you know, first round draft show on that Friday after the draft, and we're gonna see a good good chance that five or six corners going to go in the first round. So. Um, I think, look, Atlanta needs help on defense, period. They need help in the secondary. They've been needing help in the secondary. So I think this is a guy that they could say, look, for a fifth-round pick, let's take a look. You know, if, if, uh, if, he can, if he can regain his form and what he looked like coming out of Ohio State, um, we might have ourselves a starting corner. So it, to me, it's, you know, it's an investment of a fifth-round pick. I think Atlanta had – I mean, they had three fifth-round picks, you know, so they just flipped one of them for a player. And, look, it, it, it's the same roll of the dice in the draft on a fifth-rounder, you know, whether he can make it or not. So, to me, Atlanta had nothing to lose, and Detroit was ready to move on from him. Yeah, the interesting thing about, about the Falcons is before this trade, Baldy, and I don't know if it changes their strategy, but there was a lot of talk about Christian Gonzalez or the kid out of Illinois, you know, um, Witherspoon, the, Witherspoon the, the corner out of Illinois, that that is probably the target. And it, and it was the most safe draft yeah. pick, right, That's at right. eight. And yeah. now you make this move and they go, well, wait a minute. You have a lot of folks saying, wait a minute, they got A.J. Terrell. And now if Okuda can play, mm-hmm. you went and got Jesse Bates, Richie yep. Grant, your other safety. The secondary mm-hmm. all of a sudden may become your strength of your football team from a defensive standpoint, and a lot of people are saying, okay, well, then don't draft a corner. And here we are saying there's like five guys that, you know, you could have a first-round grade on at corner. Do you still pass that up? I still think you have to build. And and for me, Baldy, I, I look at this from a cornerback standpoint. Um, They're like pitchers. You know, they're like bullpen guys. You can never have enough of those guys that can cover, right? Mm-hmm. So I get it. If, you, if Okuda can play and A.J. is going to – going to do what he does is great. But I just don't know if you can have enough of those guys. I don't know if you still go away from picking maybe the top corner on the board at eight if you're the Falcons. And they might have that choice at eight. I mean, there might be their choice of, you know, those five or six corners at the, at the top. Um, you know, Joey Porter and Deion Banks, Deontay Banks. Um, you know, and so at eight, you're probably going to get your choice unless, you know, the Raiders go beat them to it at number seven. So it's possible. And I look, I mean, AJ Terrell is going to come up for a contract here. Yep. You know, they got to decide if they're going to pay, you know, top flight money for a really good young player. Um, and, but if you draft a guy, maybe that decision becomes easier. But I, you know, I think that the Falcons are at a spot right now where they can't just, okay, we need this position of need. I mean, I just think at number eight, if Devin Witherspoon is there and he's your top ranked player on the board. Yeah. You have to take your top, regardless of what you did with Akuda and what you have in Terrell. Like, you take your best player. Like, you can't go wrong doing that. You'll find a place to get him on the field and to get value for him. Baldy, I want to I wanna read this to you because Anthony Richardson, one of the top quarterback prospects, yes. posted a letter to every general manager in the league. He did it in the Players' Tribune, and I just want to read a little bit of this, yeah, and then and, and then we got to, you know, I want to get to 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 my guy out of Texas, who a lot of people are talking about is going to be a top top ten pick. So, guys, Anthony Richardson, no matter what you think of him, and we've had yeah. multiple conversations about him, talented yeah. as hell, athletically. So he posts this in the Players' Tribune, and I'm just going to read a portion of it because again, okay. it's if you want to go check it out, you can. But he he posts this to all general managers in the league and saying. 
Um, I may not pay attention to all the noise, but I do hear the critics. I know the things people are picking apart. People talk about whether I can be accurate. They say I don't have touch. They say I can't throw short. They say a lot of things. All I got to say is watch how hard I work. In my mind, I can do anything with my football, with the football in my hand. But I, I know that no one will ever work harder than me to improve. And then he goes on talking about one of the best things I learned from watching Kyle Trask and talking about his experience at Florida. But, Baldy, this is a plea. This is, hey, you see my athleticism, but I need you to trust me with how hard I'm going to put in the work to be great in this league. And I want to let every general manager know. I got to tell you guys something. This is smart. I don't know if it works. I don't know if any general manager reads this and goes, oh, yeah, this makes my, you know, I'm going to draft the kid. But this is smart, Baldy, because he understands what he's up against as far as the criticism. And he's just saying, look, the one thing you cannot rate is my heart and my desire to work hard. I think it's brilliant. I really like Anthony Richardson. He was on our network, NFL Network, yesterday, did an interview with him. And, um, you know, he was really uh, outgoing, very positive. Um, you know, he was really – I mean, he really presented himself very well. Um, you know, going back to, like, just high schools right now, bro, I mean, it used to be, okay, give me the guy with the best arm and let's put him at quarterback. Yeah. Blah, blah. Now it's give me the best athlete. Give me the best athlete. We're going to put him at quarterback, and we'll go from there. Whether they can throw it, throw it with touch, read defense, let's put our best our best athlete there. And I feel like there's coaches in this league that said, "You give me the best, even in the NFL, give me the best athlete. Let me design the offense, and let me develop them. I want that. I feel like that's going to I, – I feel like, look, he has a lot – a lot of room to grow, tremendous amount of room to grow. So two things, Carl. One, in all of these interviews and all of these things that these players do during the you know this draft season, if I'm a GM, Carl, all I want to know, does he love football? Mm. Does he love football more than anything else? <laughs> because I know if, if, if I get that player, like I met Sauce Gardner last year in New York, and I when he was the first one on the field, on the opening mini camp of the season. And he said, I'll be the first one on the field every day, Baldy. Like, I, Sauce loves football. It, it, he lives for it. Give me a player that loves the game. That's what's the hardest part for any of these GMs and any of these evaluators to figure out. Are they faking it? Do they really love it? Do they just say that? If I know that a player loves it, I know that they're going to do everything beyond coaching to become the best. So we've seen that with elite players, Jordan, I mean, at, at different sports. The other thing is it, it, you. there's coaches out there that just feel like, give me Anthony Richardson and let me show you what we're going to become. Right. And I, I and whether he, you know, the, the letter is really clever and it's really smart. And I believe Anthony when he says that. And I think, like, I believe he's going to be the third quarterback taken in this draft. Before Levis. Yeah. Before Levis. Yeah. I, and I like Will Levis. Everybody I does. do too. There's a lot to love about him. But I but the upside of what Anthony Richardson yeah. might become. And look, the game is evolving. You know, it's 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 not Tom Brady's league anymore. It's not sit there and be a statue and, and make these throws and do all this stuff. Like 
Mobility is important. I, Bill Parcells told me a decade ago, the NFL can only take what the college game gives us. Mm. And they're giving us Anthony Richardson. Like, we'd be foolish not to recognize the talent and go, look, we've got at least two years that we can work with him where to build him into maybe the best athlete at that position in the league. We, we've yeah. got a two-year window yeah. and a five-year contract where we can really take our time, and I hope teams take their time, to develop them. You know what's interesting, Baldy? And I think a lot of people don't want to acknowledge this. And I get it. Like, Patrick Mahomes is not a is not a runner. But the two biggest plays of the year, he used his legs in the AFC Championship game, right? And in the Super Bowl to win the games. Yeah. He ran. Jalen Hurts, you saw what he did in the Super Bowl. And if you didn't watch the Eagles all year, he did that all year. He used his legs. And people want to put this perception that, well, if you're not a drop-back quarterback in the pocket, you can't win. We just saw two guys get to the Super Bowl who used their legs to get there. So I totally agree with you. I'm not saying they're running quarterbacks. There is a difference. Mm-hmm. But you have to – you said it. Mobility is key. And if you're telling me this kid has the ability to escape pressure and run away from it, that you can't teach that. Like, no. you, you, I don't care who you are. You can't – it's like having a seven-footer in the NBA. You can't teach that. Like, I, I don't I don't think – we've never – I mean, the combine started in 1985, you know, and every year we go there. And, you, you know, you want to call it the underwear Olympics. You, know, you do whatever you want. Right. We've never seen an athlete like that ever. Step Not a quarterback. Indianapolis that resembled anything. I mean, Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, That's right. I don't know, Carson Wentz, you pick a guy. We've never seen anything like what Anthony Richardson did. And you can't deny that. Um, and then if you look at the splash plays that he made at Florida, like he can throw a deep ball. Like he went 80 yards against LSU for a touchdown. Like I don't know what teams are going to be able to do to him So and how to defend him. Um, he needs time to, to learn and to grow. And there's offenses that can be created, whether it's the RPO game, uh, you know, the option run game. There's just things that you can do to really accent his talents. All right, Baldy, I want to switch gears. It's Carl Dukes. Put him up. My man, Brian Baldinger. Baldy, and uh, we are here within the huddle. Again, Jason Lockhart for a part of this podcast as well, guys. Uh, and like us. Make sure you subscribe. I want to talk about Third-year running back, Bijan Robinson out of Texas, who played 31 games. He made 28 starts. He was the Doak Walker Award winner, which goes to the best running back in the country. He rushed uh, – he's the fourth all-time leading rusher in Longhorn history, which, again, think about all the backs. Ricky Williams, the greater O'Campbell. I mean, he did some things while he was in Texas. Yes, exactly. Priest was my dude. I played against Priest in high school. Yes. I can start Uh, ripping them off here, Carl. A ton of guys, right? So here's the deal. Bijan, and I'm just going to tell you guys, I'm going to read this to you as is. So I don't want you guys thinking I'm making this up because I've been saying this, Baldy, for, I don't know, two months maybe, maybe a month and a half. And I've been saying he is a top five or six overall talent in this draft. So Bryce Young, because quarterback is quarterback. Will Anderson, okay, we're just talking about overall how he's looked at in this draft and from an athletic standpoint and where what kind of, you know, not, not running back, not position. C.J. Stroud, Jalen Carter, Peter Skaransky, Miles yeah, Murphy, Bijan Robinson. He's a top six or seven, maybe top five guy overall. 
So what are teams going to do with this, Baldy? Uh, is he going to be one of these running? Is he going to be Saquon Barkley from 2018 who goes in the top five or top ten? I don't think so. And it's not a knock on Bijan. I mean, there's plenty of games out there where you go, okay, Bijan, like he doesn't look like a top five pick. If you go watch him against TCU, you watch him against Baylor, he doesn't look like that. Now, he put up great numbers over a period of time. But, Carl, look, I just – like, I hear these phrases like generational talent, meaning you can't pass them up. Right. Like, I hear that phrase a lot with Bijan. And I'm, I'm, believe me, everybody that meets Bijan loves him. I mean, you know, you want to put your arm around him, you want to go to war with him. Like, there's no question. But, like, I'm, I happen to have a great deal of respect for running backs in general. Uh, Nick Chubb is averaging 5.2 yards a carry in the NFL five straight years in a row. He's a monster. He is a phenomenal. It still bugs him, Carl, that his rookie year, he finished with 996 yards. And one of his last, I think his last game was against Pittsburgh that year, and he had a negative run that knocked him below 1,000 yards. He, he couldn't sleep at night the whole offseason. Like, we've seen him the longest run in Cleveland Brown history is Nick Chubb. Aaron Jones in Green Bay was a fifth-round pick. Aaron Jones has scored 60 touchdowns mm. in the last six years. Like he he's a he's a point scoring machine. He never misses a hole. He's phenomenal. Um, Derrick Henry. I mean, just Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook. Like none of these guys are well, except for McCaffrey. None of these guys are first round picks. Right. Jones a fifth round pick. Like to me, they're all proving that they're kind of generational talents. You can pretty much guarantee that at the end of next year, Aaron Jones is still going to average over five yards a carry. You know, you're going to Derek, – Derek Henry's still going to run 90 yards for a touchdown next year. I, I just – you know, Brees Hall was a great talent coming out last year. He couldn't finish the season. Like, the, the injury rate to these – to that position – and look at Saquon. The injury rate is ridiculous, Carl. And so they might have him ranked as a top 10 talent, top 5 talent. I don't deny that. You know, I mean, 20 pounds, 4, 4, 6, 40 bucks. All that stuff that really doesn't really make any difference. You know, it's production that all that matters. And styles make mm -hmm. fights, styles make running backs. And so, you know, Nick Chubb is 230 pounds. He just runs through contact. He is a great, great player. Um, maybe as good as anybody in this whole business. Uh, you could just start ripping some of these guys off. But look where Zeke is at right now. Zeke doesn't have a job. That's right. In 2016, Zeke, like, he just ran through the NFL. He can't do that anymore. You know, and, he, and we're not that long removed. And so Bijan might be, I just, I mean, I, I can see they I mean, like in Philadelphia here, Carl, they're like, Bijan at 10, put yeah. him in that offense. Yeah, yeah. going to be super unstoppable. Well, all right. I don't know. Like Rashad Penny, I don't know what he's going to be, but he's averaged six yards of carry in the NFL when he's healthy. Uh, you know, they got three guys there that all can play. Gainwell's a really good player, and Boston Scott just destroys the New York Giants every time he plays them. The, the, the risk-reward car. Okay. And the money that you pay a top-10 pick. Yep. Like, you have to factor that in. And this isn't money ball. This is just, like, almost common sense at that position. So, Baldy, you're right. The financial commitment teams make to a top-10 pick 
at that position. And and normally what's going to happen, guys, I mean, Saquon's going through this right now. He got franchise tag. They don't want to pay him. They don't want to pay him $15, $20 million a year. So you you draft a guy in the top 10, you commit $25, $28 million, whatever it's going to be, it's slated. And then you get to a point where in the fourth year, you're probably thinking about drafting another running back because of what Baldy's talking about. There is a high risk reward to this. Even if he is special, you're probably going to get the best years in this first deal in the first five years. When you get to year six, seven, eight, it gets dicey. So, well, I mean, look, I mean, Saquon's the perfect example here because that's what people are comparing. Sure. To John too. They're, they're comparing him to Saquon. And the Giants are saying, we're not giving him a second contract. If he goes out and runs for 1,500 yards this year, we, we might. But, you know, anything short of just superhuman like uh, numbers this year, he might be franchise tagged again next year. And really, anybody could have come after Saquon. Nobody did. Nobody picked up the phone and called, you know, his super agent right there and said, you know, Chicago Bears needed a running back. They they had all these picks, you know, from the trade. They they could have made it, uh, uh, you know, a, a trade for him. It's just I remember when Aaron Jones was up for um, two years ago, and people thought, okay, if he hits free agency, he was my number one free agent. And Green Bay did pony up, and they paid him, and he stayed. But get to the second contract with these guys. I mean, look at McCaffrey. McCaffrey looked all world San Francisco this year. We love Christian McCaffrey. But he had two years where he was on the shelf in Carolina. Oh, yeah. Two years. And, and they had paid him. After he had 400 touches the one year where he was just everything in the offense. And, you know, 100 catches and all this stuff that he did. And then he had two years where he was just on the shelf. And it's just a reality. And so – you cannot legislate against injuries. And at that position, um, we see these backs go downhill, you know, really, really quickly. And, and you have to you have to fact that in. But, like, the fact that the Giants aren't willing to just reward Saquon for being a generational talent and being, you know, the face of the organization along with Daniel Jones, whatever, like, it's just – it's business. It's just business. You know who I really like? Uh, and he'll go later in this in this draft. Ty J Spears out of Tulane. Mm-hmm. I really like this kid. I know. Uh, he he might be one of these steals you're talking about later in the draft, Baldy. And if you didn't watch any Tulane football, first of all, they were really good this year. Mm-hmm. Secondly, he was a big part of why they were good offensively. And I think I think he might be one of these running back steals. I really do. Well, you watch him against didn't one two lanes last game against USC. Crushed him. He ran through USC. Crushed him. But crushed him. But like, look at the, you know Israel Abanaconda at a pit. Yes. You no, know, here's a two hundred twenty pound back runs a four four one. He's faster than Bijan. They didn't have you know Kenny Pickett. They didn't have Jordan Addison this year, and he put up fifteen hundred yards at Pitt. You know, um, and you watch him run, you go, that looks like an NFL running back to me. Mm. He's built like one. Like he pushes the pile. Like, he's got breakaway speed. I, I go, is he? Like, I don't know. Like, you, can you get him in the third round? Probably. Probably get him. That's probably the sweet spot for him right now. But you, you probably get yourself a starting running back right now. And so that's the thing is that there's just such a a, a choice out there. You know? <laughs> like, who would have yeah. thought that Pacheco would have been a seventh-round pick in Kansas City? Almost, a, I think it was a compensatory seventh-round pick you know, becomes the starting running back on a Super Bowl winning team and play lights out good. It's uh, 
it's going to be one of the interesting things we see happen in this draft. If if Bijan is not a top 10 pick, I don't think anybody is surprised. If he is, I think more people will be surprised. All right, one other thing we want to get to real quick. Real before quick, we- Carl, before you get to it, I just want to say, like, we, we talked about two guys, that, you know, at length here. Yeah. Anthony Richardson and Bijan Robinson. Sure. The draft is 13 days a week. To me, the, the biggest stories right now going into this draft is where is Anthony Richardson going? Mm-hmm. And where does Bijan Robinson get drafted? I, I, I don't, to me, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, right. like Jalen Carter, like those to me, 13 days out, those are the two biggest names that's going to drive this first round of the draft. I, I totally agree. And when you look at the top seven, right? Carolina, Texans, Cardinals, Colts, Seattle Lions, Raiders. Okay, once you get past four, right? I mean, is, is Pete Carroll going to draft a running back? No, no way, right? No way. He drafted a kid out of Michigan State last year that, you know, was a second-round pick and was an awesome player last year for him. Yeah, I just – and then you get to the Lions and you go, Dan Campbell, come on. Dan Campbell's not – he's not going to – and they have, what, Swift there. Don't they? They've got Swift. They've got a couple of guys. I don't think that happens. And then the Raiders, I mean, come on. I don't believe that is the strategy. Well, they have Josh Jacobs. He only yes. led the league in rushing last year. It's, so that's what I'm saying. You get past four and you go six, five, six, seven. Falcons aren't doing it, are they? And then you say, okay, so wait a minute. Now to your point, you get to the Eagles at 10. And the Eagles have the benefit of, because of drafting well and free agency, they could roll the dice. And I'm with you. Those to me are the two biggest stories. The Anthony Richardson thing, I think people are going to think it's a reach when it happens because nobody thinks he's good enough to go in front of Will Levis or CJ or any of these other. And and to your point. So I'm with you. Those two stories are are enormous. Uh, Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes with you. I just want to mention this. We'll talk more about it uh, as we, we get past the draft. But we were talking about head coaches that need success, guys that need to, to you know, maybe get there and get over the hump. All right, I'm just going to throw a couple at you. And we don't know how the draft's going to play out, but Sean McDermott, right? Bills, the uh, Chargers, right? With their quarter or their head coaching situation, Brandon Staley. These are guys that come to mind that they got they have really good teams, Baldy, but they haven't gotten there. Is there any extra pressure? Because two here's the deal, guys. Belichick and Mike Tomlin and Pete Carroll, these are long-tenured guys. They don't have any pressure or extra amount of pressure on them to win. But I do think some of the guys that we've been talking about, and, and the new guys don't either. I mean, listen, D'Amico Ryans is not going to have pressure in year one. He may in year three, but not right now. So is Ron Rivera one of those guys? I mean, who do you think, Baldy, as we start to look past the draft, you say, all right, look, it's happened. You got your players. Now well, what are you I mean, do? I, I wouldn't go any further. And I'm not, you know, putting anybody under a spotlight here on April, you know, 14th. But, you know, what is Mike McCarthy's future if the Cowboys make the playoffs and are one and done? Like, I mean, he's calling plays this year. Kellen Moore's gone. It's his offense. Um, you know, how patient is Jerry Jones going to be with Mike McCarthy? Mm. If he feels like he's got, especially if they, you know, strike some gold in the draft and they've drafted really well. Um, if they're just bounced out by the 49ers or the Eagles or something like that, I, I you know, I mean, I love Mike McCarthy personally. Um I think he's, you know, a, a special guy. I've just known him a long time. But, I mean, how patient can you be in Dallas? It's the number one franchise in this whole business. It is. And, you know, uh, 
there is – Troy Aikman actually reminds me of this every once in a while when I talk about the Cowboys. Like, it's been a long drought, you know, <laughs> since they won a Super Bowl. Yeah. You know I mean, it's, it's yeah. going to be almost 30 years now. So um, that's, that's a long time for a franchise that drives this entire industry. All right, while we're talking about that, and then and then we're going to get out of here, and we're back with more draft conversation next week, guys, more stuff about the NFL. It's all things NFL in the huddle here on this podcast. Is he taking on too much? Remember when McCarthy got there, and he was like, hey, I'm going to be an ambassador, and I'm going to dick, you know, I'm going to let my guys do their job. Now, all of a sudden, he wants to take all of this on. I get it. It's like your last chance, right? So mm-hmm. I'd rather bet on me than bet yeah. on somebody else. Yep. But Baldy, is he taking on too much? Well, there's a lot of guys that that do that job. I mean, Kyle Shanahan comes to mind, Sean Mc, you know, McVay. Like, there's a lot of guys that do that job, um, and they do it really well. So, you know, Andy Reid's head coach. He's the play caller for the most part. Uh, Eric Bannerby certainly had a, a role in it. But, you know, Andy's got the chart in his hand. Guys could do it. And, you know, Mike has been a good play caller. So I don't believe he's taken on too much. Um, you know, he's done that before for a long time in Green Bay. Uh, he backed off in Dallas, and I thought he was making a mistake, to be honest with you. I, I didn't feel like Kellen Moore had proved himself mm. um, before Mike got there uh, to that degree. So I, I think he's – he's. Uh, but I, but I, I, I agree with your point. Like, if I'm going to – if I'm going to uh, – Get advance into the playoffs. I want to do it my way. I want to be the play caller. I want to design the offense. I want to install the offense. I want to stand up in front of the room and tell everybody what we need to do to win on Sunday, you know, on our Wednesday meeting. So I, I don't believe he's taking on too much right now. All right, my man. Always good to talk with you. Yep. Uh, and you're going to be seeing a lot of Baldy on NFL Network leading up to the draft, guys. So make sure you check him out. And we'll be back to talk more about the draft. And listen, teams are having their visits. They get 30 visits. They're talking to all these guys. The the draft boards, most of them still in pencil. But by next week, some things are going to start changing because you got to start focusing in on if this happens and then what we're doing. The big thing right now, Carl, is medicals are still coming in. Yep. You know, all of the security, you know, stuff on the players, you know, background checks and everything are coming in. And so the boards are basically set. But, you know, the medical can certainly flip it out. I remember – um, just two years ago, Trey Smith out of Tennessee, who has started every game since he got drafted in the sixth round. I mean, he had medical flags on him with these blood clots in his leg mm-hmm. going back to his Tennessee days. And I know teams personally that took him off the board. Like it's too, it's too much of a risk. Now, Kansas City spent a six-round pick on him. It was six-round goal. Um, so th- that's a big part of what's going on. There's still uh, interviews being taken place. Guys are still traveling, talking. So the interviews, the medical, and the, the security backgrounds right now are kind of the final components to really set in their boards. Can't wait. Draft is, uh, you said it, 13 days away now. So we'll see, guys. We're back with you guys uh, next week. And make sure you subscribe, guys. In the huddle, like us, tell your friends about us. Baldy, have a great day, brother. We'll yep. talk soon. Okay, Carl. All the best, man. Thanks.